Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. I'm Peter Puisto. I'm the founder of Lone Wolf Portable Tree Stands, Lone Wolf Custom Gear. All right, well, we got Dan on the line. And I started thinking, I probably shouldn't have shared those pictures. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right, guys, we got Don Higgins on. Um, anything that's got to do with uh, chasing big deer, I've got my hands in it somehow. So. Well, my name's John Eberhardt. The first one that comes to mind was early in my career. I'm Scott Buckley from Iowa. Um, I had jumped him in the summer, too. He jumped up in that swamp grass down in the bottom lake. And, uh, yeah, that's that's what I'm doing. I'm, I'm chasing it. There ain't nothing stopping me. Justin Hollinsworth, I'm with Whitetail Addictions and uh, Lone Wolf Custom Gear. So what are we talking about tonight? We're, uh, we're talking about the one that got away. We talked about a deer that we didn't get it done on for some reason. Um, so uh, go ahead and get into the story of the one that got away. Welcome to the Whitetail Legacy Podcast, coming in your ear holes where you're tired of listening to our voice, so we're going to have someone else on. (laughs) (laughs) Yes! We're going to have Clint McCoy, uh, the Buck Assassin, on. I just named him that this morning, or this afternoon, I don't know why, but uh, love this guy. Super humble, good dude, Um, just out there just killing giants. He's on the, what, how how long of a streak? He said 10 years? He said 10 years. God, man, that's crazy. Yeah. And, like, and that's only that's only if he has one buck next yeah, year. Yeah, yeah, and that's like not, yeah, that's not his wife, his wife, his kids, and that's like giant deer too. Yeah, like all mature giant targeting for ten years, getting it done. Um, he killed two absolute slobs, one absolute giant dude's got everything going on. Um, wild side, pretty cool name. Mm-hmm. Um, and we. We kind of talk about a lot of stuff in here, tactic talk, but we kind of break down a season, why we think it's successful, um, what he did different, and um, I feel like every season you kind of add some different stuff to your playbook, and it's going to be interesting to talk to a def- bunch of people that were successful and say, hey, you know, why why were you successful this year compared to last year, or you know, did you add anything to your 
did you get your butt kicked this year? How'd it go? And he, he goes into the story of, you know, he was having a rough season where a lot of times he's got shit figured out and this year he's kind of struggling, but, uh, in the end he come out shining. So, uh, getting the people to make this possible, going to get into the show. Uh, we'll start off with a ride on optics guys. Um, if you're looking for, you know, we talk a lot of hunting on here, but if you're looking for a pistol sight, an AR sight, uh, tactical red dot, anything like that, these guys have it all over there for you. Um, they do have hunting sights also, but uh, I'm excited. I've never used a pistol sight before. Have you ever used a red dot on a pistol? I've always just no. used the sights. I feel like that was something that I could add to to my pistol, and it might be cool. So I'm going to look into that. Um, Garrett's probably, like, rolling over right now. Oh, this. Yeah. He's like, dude, I got everything's got a red dot on it. <laughs> He's going to show up by the end of the week with yeah, six different yeah. pistols. He's like, all right, you got to <laughs> shoot this thing with a red dot on it. You've never <laughs> done it. But, but uh they got a lot of good things, and it's lifetime warranty. Um, so if you're looking to get in something for your AR, something for your pistol, your shotgun, um, they're going to have whatever you need. Uh, what else you got over there? All right. I've been getting a lot of messages here lately about the Exodus Render. And I just want to detail out um, one thing that I really love about the Render is it's useful in almost any application because you can configure that thing and customize it exactly to what you want to, to benefit you, which is um, a great trait for as much as we are all relying on these trail cameras now. So um, it's pretty customizable. Uh, you can get 3, 5, 8, or 12 megapixels. You can get from a 1 to a 9-shot burst. You can get trigger delay from 1 second all the way up to 59 seconds. Um, you can get low, medium, and high trigger sensitivity, low, medium, and high flash range. And then you can also set the operating hours, which I really love if you get some sun picks. Um, you can do upload intervals of 3, 6, 9, 12, or real time. And the one of the best features is that status update every night yeah. at midnight. Let you know the camera's still out there doing its thing. Yeah, a lot of times on these mobile cams, you don't know if they're working or not. If you don't get pictures for three days, you're like, I don't know if this thing connected. If I'm getting shit ain't working, and you get that status that day, you're like, okay, shit's shit's working. There's yeah, nothing just, there. Yeah, just nothing there. Yep. Yeah. And uh, the almighty five year no BS warranty. Yeah, and then another thing, like you said, that that delay. A lot of people are thinking, okay, yeah, you could only do it when you think deer are gonna be there, but like you got a really windy day. Like we had eighty mile an hour winds. You can just shut that thing off. Yep. You can just say, okay, don't take pictures from seven a.m to 5 p.m. and you're going to miss out on all those 80 mile an hour wind blinks you know and if something does come out you're still going to get those pictures but most of the time if there's 80 mile an hour wind gusts shit ain't gonna be moving anyways yep I, I i just did that here last week uh two weeks ago i moved to cam and now it's facing south mm-hmm. and um i set it from 8 30 in the morning till 3 30 in the evening don't take any pictures yeah i just need the first hour that i'll probably be out there hunting and the last two hours in the evening i'd be out there hunting yeah what's out there and um it's saving on battery saving card space Saves like, a lot of data yeah a lot just, of shit. it's really cool feature yeah. that i think other trail cams are probably get, companies are probably going to add because mm-hmm. it's, it's really cool all right what else you got uh last breath tv they're continuing to fuel the youtube and the socials um they're they're like us guys no off season here uh they're getting ready to roll in um as soon as deer season gets finished up uh back into the predator hunting ice fishing we got to go on kings that's the only thing that's on there coyotes and daylight all the time (laughs) so hopefully we got some coyote content coming for you guys perfect yeah we'll get set up on that north and i got a call we'll take the 270 out there let it go so 
uh black rifle code guys use white tail legacy 20 percent off uh your order there and hook us up <laughs> here we go hook us up yeah. hook you up with the <laughs> badlands code yeah we got you covered yeah all right guys let's get into the show all right we got a special guest the clip mccoy the buck assassin from illinois indiana border how's it going tonight man Oh, good, dude. Glad to be here. Sorry for the old man technical difficulties. No, on no, man. We're both struggling like normal. <laughs> <laughs> Homie goes, guarantee, right when we hit the record button, this thing's going to just blank it, out. It literally <laughs> did. Like, yeah, seconds, but now uh, you know. You got it rocking now. You got this thing set up. You can use it in the future. Let's go. Yeah. You yeah. know what? This is a this is a high-dollar webcam from Walmart. Is only the nothing but the best. Heck yeah, nothing right. but the best for our show. <laughs> I got the. I don't want to offend people to shoot whisker biscuits, but this thing is the whisker biscuit. Whisker. <laughs> it's, I'm not kidding. Like, it if I can run it, like you just punch it into the side and bingo, it goes. Like, Heck yeah. I used to shoot a whisker biscuit a lot too, man. I'm not dogging there. They're yeah, I just switched stuff. this year. Yeah, I would say I Dude. love whisker biscuit, man. <laughs> I'm not kidding, man. Yeah. My boy still got one on his bow. Heck, he's a grown man now. Yeah. Just the same quality our heater is that they hear in the background right mm, now. Yeah. Nothing but high quality content from us. Hey, we so, got you know we got to do what we got. Well, it's been a it's been a while since we chatted with you, but um, I really wanted to get you on kind of after season with everything laid down and uh, and talk to you about the season that you had. You were targeting two giant bucks. And was able to get it done on both of them, which for us, I mean, targeting one buck and getting it done is pretty damn hard. But you were able to target one, kill him, kind of switch completely and do it again. And uh, I know we've had you on in the past, and you like to say that you're lucky, but consistency is is key, man. And you are consistently targeting bucks and killing them. And there's like, there's a few guys that me and homie are always like, if they share a picture, I'm like, that's a dead, that's a dead deer or that deer is in, in trouble. You know, mm -hmm. you share a picture. I'm like, that deer is in trouble. So, uh, go ahead and go into the story of your first buck. Um, well, go ahead and do a short introduction for anybody that hasn't heard you oh, yeah. and then go uh, into the story of your first buck. No, I appreciate the, the nod guys. When I was no kid, like give me a little bit about my background. Like I grew up on a, a dairy farm here in Southeast Illinois. And, you know, my, we, my, we didn't have big tracts of land. My dad wasn't a hunter. We didn't have time for it. We were working on the dairy, you know, and, um, uh, I don't know why, but like, for some reason in my DNA, like nobody showed me how to like start to like deer. You know, we had, I grew up in the eighties when like combines were not super efficient. Right. And the very first deer memory I got is just looking through a pair of these old, like, 1960s uh, Sears and Roebuck binos out the window at this yard of deer. And one of my dad's field, just by a woodlot that's maybe 10 acres, there was, like, 50, 60 deer in that group when I was a little bitty kid. And it just went, I have to do something with this. Like, mm. this is really cool. And, like, I would raise the window up, and I was just short enough where I could rest on the windowsill and have the window open. That north wind be coming in, and Mom be hollering and yelling. <laughs> it was great because there's a little heat vent right there by my feet, so I could stay nice. It looks like my own little box fly when I was a kid. <laughs> and I used to spit no kid. Like, that was, like, when I was 10 or 11. 
nobody showed me like how to appreciate deer. My uncle took me a couple times and he was like, point to a deer picture on a, in a magazine. That's where you want to shoot him, kid. Here's a gun, but you know, <laughs> yeah. that's how I got started. But like the very first time I ever put my hands on a big one was a couple of years after that. My uncle did shoot a you know, mid fifties, 10 pointer, big heavy one with a single shot shotgun, man. And I helped him track it and I held that big sucker in my hands and I was a little bitty kid and I went, I definitely have to do this. Like, I don't know why, but like, I wanted to shoot big deer from, it sounds like total bullshit, but I've always wanted to shoot big deer since day number one. I didn't, didn't we all, you know, a little bit? Yeah. Didn't you guys? Oh yeah. You wanted to like, go out there. And I was pretty op optimistic of what I shot, you know, whatever kind of came through, yeah. I was going to send it, but I was always like, I'm looking for a giant out here. You know, you were, you're always hunting where you thought a big buck would be with the option of there's a six pointer. I'm going to send it, you know? <laughs> When you're young and growing up, though, yeah. you want everyone wants that big rascal. Yeah. We all do, but so many people just get like through the years they either lose touch with hunting or they lose touch with that like I want a big one feeling. And you know, I like you guys when I was a young kid, we shot the crap out of things like you know, beat their brakes off twos and threes. You know, that was our thing, but we get into this whole do it at yourself stuff like i don't own a big tracking ground that's what i want people to really know is like i'm a veterinarian by trade but i don't own a big section of ground i take care of animals for a living and my vocation is taking care of them and my recreation like i don't want to make money on deer hunting i want to be a deer hunter and that's my recreation every year like i spend three four weeks doing it straight away from the clinic and it's a way to, to uh, balance me out. Because uh, working in the clinic is stressful sometimes and it's high level sometimes and a lot of drama sometimes. It's good to get away from that and just be by myself in the woods chasing a monster. Like, yeah. I got to have that go, you know. You guys do too. You understand the, it ain't about the score, it's about the run. It's about the, it's about the go. And uh, so that's why, that's why I target and I have done it for, I think I've probably been targeting deer since if I had to pick a year, 2005 was definitely the first year that I picked one to shoot and did. So uh, I don't get them all every year, of course, but you like to have one or two or three or four. Mm -hmm. And and, and that's did good too this year on that end too, though, like. You guys kind of got a couple of slammers too. Yeah, we did a little better than we normally do, but uh, we took a completely different tactic to hunting this year, and it was okay. There's some pretty good deer over here. Let's go over there and hunt. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't. I keep calling it like the cutesy shit. Like, well, he was here three days ago. Maybe he's gonna go over here and do this. We kind of stopped doing that. We were like, cams are on fire over here. That's where we're going. We're gonna kill whatever we can. So that's that's what we. And it worked very well. But for targeting deer, that would be, you know, if you wanted to pick out one buck, it, it would be kind of hard. But It's always tricky, but you guys know, like, you guys had a good season this year, like, all around. Yeah. You know, like, very well-rounded. I follow you guys a lot. Like, did you guys kill early? Yeah. 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 Opening First evening. First day. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, 
How many times have I ever killed opening evening? That, that, when there when there's uh, certain things that you like you call you call luck, no. that was that was yeah, that, that was lucky, no. bro. <laughs> no, you can't undersell it though. Yeah. You know that old saying about luck and preparation. Yeah, there was a lot of preparation that went in that deer, and a homie went in there and smashed him. So, just goes to show. Yeah, so some, saw, sometimes you can you can get it right. You, know, you can get it. You can't get it right every time. But I've never done it on opening evening. I'm like, you bastard! <laughs> <laughs> it was awesome coming I out the gate swinging hard. Yeah, man, yeah. and it was. I can't remember what was the weather conditions like when you shot that deer. Uh. Mid uh, upper 70s, uh, had a rainstorm yeah. come in, cooled off about 10, 8, 10 degrees, and then um, did have a wind shift during the hunt. And um, I think the combination of those two things got him up a uh, half hour before he had the previous week and a half, and uh, he, he started doing his thing. So you guys got him right there after the front push through then? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we were. Yeah. He was right on the edge of daylight pretty much every day but we didn't he was, he was either going to be like five minutes before or two or three minutes after so we didn't know yeah, whether to push in to push in further but we decided better not push in any further and just try to shoot him but then like that rain front come in and he got up half hour earlier so it worked out good oh yeah but, so i've never done it on opening and i've tried yeah. like hell it's one of those little like uh Mark you know, the box, yeah. Yeah, got that one off. Yeah. You know. <laughs> I can't shake that opening evening bug. Never have been able to. I I put way too much thought. Like I put like way too much November thought into opening evening and it never turns out well. <laughs> yeah, and that's yeah. kind of uh what Cody and I said here kinda after the rut um happened. We had already had three bucks down, obviously, and um our cameras weren't like really as good as what we normally would have been, but we had already had three bucks down and um, didn't make a shit ton of moves really at that time. We were just kind of gearing up for Missouri. We were going back to work, and um, yeah. we, we knew that uh, we had our cameras in place to have a really good October and then kind of a, a lackluster rut, but, um, you know, some people have seen some good rut activity. It's kind of hit or miss here and there, not as bad as last year, but... Uh, I don't know what you guys are seeing, but I had a little luck. Yeah, yeah. We the week of it Thanksgiving, all, it was all over the freaking board. Yeah, mm-hmm. was, uh, I have talked to so many different whitetail hunters that are that got the salt, you know, and that they, they are, and it's different areas of the country too. Everybody agrees this rut was very strange, like. Weather patterns didn't line up for days in a row like you'd like. Uh, moon phases, and I don't know whether you believe in all that stuff or not. It doesn't matter. But moon phases were, were a little weird. Um, like some crops were getting out late, and some were already out way, way, way early. Yeah, like, super early. Yeah, so it, it made it made for a tricky setup this year. And, and like you guys, like I kind of stumbled through, like, it sounds like total modesty, but I was on, I knew I could kill wild side, but I went in on a day where, you know, it was terrible. The, the wind was great for it, but it was like 65 on the 7th of November. And I hadn't seen 
a damn thing in uh, three or four hunts in a row that's worth us that was worth a cow. And I was hunting a different deer uh, here close to the house there for several days. And I was so frustrated. He was on such a good pattern. I almost killed him, but he went ghost three days into it and I had to shift. And I just went into where I thought wild side might be on a 65 degree day with a warm south wind. You thinking, oh yeah, I'm not going to see him. Dude, I was in the stand at like 12 and by like 10 after one, well, here he comes. I'm like, are you kidding me right now? Like it was total, I, my mind wasn't even in the hunt because I'd already like, this is garbage. You yeah. know how you guys get it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, nope, not going to work. And I was stationed where I put that. Said I watch this deer a lot in the summertime. He come out to the hayfield several times. He always uses snaky little creek bottom, but I really pushed some cameras in tight on him from last winter's um, scouting, like beds and and interior scrapes, big, active interior like breeding scrapes, right? Well, I started getting him on some of those breeding scrapes, and I checked that camera one time right around Halloween. He was sitting in the daylight. Oh shit. I've got some photos of him around that scrape and I've got some daylights of him around his bed. Uh, I, I think I got a shot at him, but I no kidding got into that stand. It was 7th of November, best day of the year, in my opinion. Right? One of, isn't it? Yeah. 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 7th, 12th, can't miss him. Yeah. Right? <laughs> On November the 7th, I'm like, this is garbage, dude. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's not going to work. And I see him early in the hunt. He comes and he snakes right. It doesn't matter the temperature. He's got that southwest wind hitting him right in the nose. And he runs in and checks that no bedding area that I'm set up on to the south. Goes out and sit, checks the whole edge of the field in broad daylight. And like, you know, I hope nobody else is sitting over there because I do not have exclusive access to this farm, really. <laughs> yeah. There's a stand on that edge. And uh, I saw him follow this little three-year-old back into the timber Kind of, I'm hugging a creek basin right along the edge of this creek. Got rubs down along it. Great, one of my favorite rut wise, just perfect in between two doe beddings. And I see him with this three year old come in off the field. I lose track of him in the brush. I'm like, oh, he'll never get back over here. And like 10 minutes later, I hear him coming, that I hear something coming through the creek basin right below me. And it's that three year old. And I hit record, and there's a giant gap, dude, huge gap on this little tiny deer trail right over this creek bed, perfect clear for the camera, right? So I had to point the camera there and turn it on. I'm like, well, maybe he'll walk up here. And then I hear splashing in that creek. Oh, shit. <laughs> and he gives me a nine-yarder. Like, I worked, worked so hard on that deer all summer, trying to get him worked up and from last winter, and went to see him come down that creek and you're like, you got the camera rolling. You know, you're going to get it on film. I better not screw this up. Yeah. Like, don't screw this up, dude. Focus up and, and just go into that, uh, you know, it's like robot mode. You don't even think about it, really. And I stop him and he looks like under the stand. He's not even looking up at me. I'm like, I have all time in the world. Hope I have. <laughs> He's he falls over. It just never happens for me either. Like, I line that shot up good. I take my time, squeeze it. And normally, it's an all-night track job, right? <laughs> yeah. One of those, man, I know I smoked him, but let's call the dog. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he runs over there, and he starts wagging his tail and falls over at 40 yards. I was like, 
I, I just I flipped out, lost my shit. Like I couldn't believe it. Like that's that's a, probably the biggest bow kill in my life at nine yards and self film. Man, does that feel awesome? Yeah, that you deer know? is badass it, too, man. Dude, Deer's... and it's he is such a cool deer. That's why yeah. we call him Wild Side. He had that little screwball main beam on the end how yeah. it cooks in mm. um kind of like a kind of like a texas deer you know yeah how long was uh, his beams i don't think they got yeah, they're man. cute man i, he was I, wide. I, I probably should yeah hella tiny yeah he's big man but he's I probably bigger than cool you thought that deer. Yeah. oh yeah I, I think my I, i'll probably put a tape to him but just for fun i'll probably yeah. enter him but what what was cool about him you know you guys go back to targeting deer right when I found some of those beds in there, they were really weird. Like, uh, terrain is strange in this area. It's very unusual for our area. And he was, places he was bedded seemed like it's really hard to work with. Um, but I started getting him in daylight so often in that area on camera pools that I'd leave him soaked for about a six-week period or so and you know, go in and check cameras on the right day and wind. You know what I mean? Like when it's raining or super dry or super hot or whatever. I was getting a lot of daylights out of him, right? And he acted like he could give a damn. Like personality-wise, I was running a lot of my cameras on video mode um, all of October, November. And he would just lollygag. Like I got him standing up out of his bed and stretching and like, preening himself and like walking around in his area just so like uh, guard down type shit, you know? And when, when you know he's comfortable and you wait till one of those days on the calendar where it's like, time to get frisky with the does, try it. You know, it, everybody waits and waits and waits. I was crowding that deer and, oh man, I was hunting him on the 25th of October, like tight and easy to get in and out access wise on him, but it's one of those deer that you think you can kill him because you got a lot of little check marks in your boxes. Like he's not completely nocturnal. He's doing some of the things I thought he might do from winter scouting. He's doing historical things that other bucks have done in this area in years past. Like he's checking off in boxes. I had a good feeling I'd get him, but on the 7th of November when it's 65 degrees, you realize this is bullshit. It's not going to work. Uh, don't take yourself out of it. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, and see that's something we kind of rely on too. Um, not here really recently, but like more in our you know five to ten years ago, is when you see a big buck in an area do something. Eventually, there's going to be another big deer in that area doing that same shit, okay. and just like you said, you can kind of bank on it. It's going to tweak year after year a little bit, but the general consensus on it is going to be almost the same. And that's helped us. I mean, yeah. chasing freeze especially. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So another way to look at that, instead of looking at individual animal, like mature bucks in that situation, like repeatability, I feel like it hinges more so, and this is just me bullshitting here, I feel like sometimes that repeatability relates more so to like classic doe bedding structure than it does having a, a buck use it as his core. 
like where this place is at that we're talking about, it, it, it the dough bedding never changes. And the travel corridors through there are very terrain oriented. And there'll be trees, you, you guys have probably seen them before in your scouting. I call them uh, uh, rub yards where like it's the graveyard of old rubs, right? Mm. So these rub yards, you can see and look down through there and that tree started up from like three or four years ago. And that tree's brand spanking new from this year. And this one looked like it may have been last year. If you can get into one of them rub yards like that, it's probably not that you're not going to catch him in daylight or anything like that. You might. But boy, it can give you that connecting thread through all those dough beds. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it, it's good to look for. And especially, dude, if you can find one of those big-ass interior scrapes that all the does start hitting. Like, we're not yeah. talking this field edge shit, right? We're talking those big car hood size, licked and chewed and twisted branches overhead deep in that timber. Boy, I know we're talking money. Yeah, that that's something that we targeted this year, which I feel like a lot of people misunderstand when you talk about mock scrapes or scrapes in general. They see this giant scrape on the edge of a field, and they put a camera on it, and they were like, well, I own this buck's nocturnal only. And there's a reason he's nocturnal on that thing, but one thing that we did this year was right on the outside of doe bedding, we put mock scrapes. And yeah, I don't know how many... Baby. Like, I don't know how many bucks in daylight we have on scrapes this year. It's it's unbelievable. And yeah. no, no, we didn't have a lot of giants this year, but three, four, and five-year-olds, m- m- them multiple times in daylight hitting these scrapes. In October, in, in, November. Interior. Yeah, interior. Yeah. Like, there's one where there's a really steep ridge that goes down. We know the be- does bet on that, and we put – two different mock scrapes where they're coming off the top down into the bottoms where we can actually hunt them. And I mean, how many different bucks do we have four or five on there? Yeah. And then where I killed uh, the eight, the big eight this year, we put a mock scrape out. I know where they, the does used to bed. And just like you said, it's, it's terrainly where you would want to bed. If you were a deer, you know, you're like, okay, this is gar- guaranteed where the does I walked in there one day there's an old apple tree in there. I wanted to check if there's any apples on it. No apples on it. I was like, all right, I'm going to go up to this doe bedding area. Okay, the beds are still here. And I walked out, and I was like, all right, we're going to hunt on this side of this doe bedding. And uh, we actually seen seen a three-year-old eight-pointer zigzag that whole entire doe bedding and watched him come up with the wind, work the doe bedding. Once he knew the doe bedding was safe jay hook through it and then work out the top on mobile cam hit the other doe bedding and then come right back by us so i was like if if this three-year-old yeah if this three-year-old's working it that's how it's going to be and um that mock scrape is there's he logged a cherry tree out of there a few years ago and it kind of made like a what is it like 30 by 30 maybe yeah it's uh yeah i would say yeah it's just like a 30 by 30 circle in thick shit like hella thick shit like that yeah. green shrub brush kind of stuff and uh the does just boom they're just there you know and and there's one trail where i thought the bucks you know there's a doe trail and there's a buck trail when they're coming in and the buck i killed we had that deer like 12 30 hitting that scrape mm-hmm. in october we were like okay oh, we're, yeah. we're on this deer you know like if he's come he's comfortable <laughs> hitting this thing at 12 30 he's He's in here, and then uh, 
we had a lot of other deer on that scrape, but we only had one other buck daylight on it, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So other. that just showed us that all these deer were traveling these doe bedding. We had a chance to kill these two in daylight, and the other ones we just we didn't need to hunt that scrape. We needed to hunt where they're traveling into the doe bedding. Ah, there it is. And that's so that's what we if did. You look at the. You're right, and if you look at so on that scrape cam you guys were using. Were you getting does there on it? Yeah. Yeah, and that's one thing that I really like to see, and I'm glad that you said that, Clint, because when you get them does in there like that, I feel like that that's, especially in the late, the last six days of October, which is the time frame that we're talking about, I'm like, this is going to be. Yeah. Homie almost killed a giant 10-pointer there one night. Five days later after you did. Five days later after I killed, and he was doing the same thing. He was downwind or downside of that doe bedding, and he was able to grunt him yeah. up to him. But he wasn't. That downwind side of yeah. those beddings and those scrapes are a, a huge focus of mine when yeah. I can find a setup like that. Huge. And I feel like those nocturnal bucks, out. yeah, those nocturnal bucks, you're not you're not going to kill on that scrape. You might be able to draw them in, but like you're saying, you got to figure out how they're traveling in between those doe beddings. Yeah, and you got it on, on when we're talking about those daylight sightings on those scrapes. So now, you also got to think about how, what knowing what I know about this area, this particular buck I'm working on, how close is this scrape to what I suspect he might be betting in, or a bet I might have tossed him out of at one point in time. Yeah, you know, and then if you can put plausibility to that travel corridor, you can get him in daylight come that scrape. There's all everybody likes to poop through hunting scrapes. Ah, oh, it's a nighttime thing. No, man, you're hunting the wrong scrape yeah. when you say that. Not the those interior, inter- yeah. Yeah, those interior scrapes are muddy ball, dude. Yeah. I, don't, I don't necessarily hunt over them because I don't like to crowd the shit out of them. But I'll hunt those little bleed-off trails that come away from them on the downwind side of them sometimes. Yeah. And no kidding, that's where uh, Wildside was not far from one of the – he was maybe 100 yards from that main interior scrape that I was getting him. I got unibrow, the other one I shot on there in daylight. Um, I got oh, a couple of three real old, like, gnarly bastards that are all broke up. Like, I love those spots, man. Those interior scrapes do it for me, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> and then we, we got a weird win one day, and we went. We were finally able to get on the backside of that area. And we ended up seeing a shooter kind of work a bottom, and he never committed, but two other bucks – a two and a three year old went right up in that doe bedding. And if we would have been able to get in there in late October, I think we would have encountered a lot of those deer we had on cam. Cause I feel like a lot of those were close to daylight and some of them were, you know, middle of the night, but we know how they're traveling through there, but we just need kind of a weird wind to get up in that top. Yeah. And kind of once it starts opening up, like I don't think you're going to be able to go past that Creek, especially like where the camera's at. Yeah. Because I wasn't even probably a quarter of the way down and all them deer were on the top mobile there. All them does were. So, um, that's something we're going to have to keep in mind, but definitely pushing there. Um, at least early to late October, hunt the edges in in October and then late October go, get off that scrape because we don't know what that scrapes like earlier but that apple tree is going to be in play next year it was it's off year this year so i'm banking on opening evening apple tree kill (laughs) 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 that's that's my hole in the pocket an apple tree is gigantic and oh it's it's humongous you kill another okay you kill another one on opening day and i never killed one on opening day (laughs) 
I'll eat my hat. Yeah, yeah. We're going to go for it. I'm going to go <laughs> Apple Tree opening evening. Uh, got got better access to it. Got permission on the two acres from the neighbor. Um, so be able Am to... Am I hearing what I think I'm hearing? Yeah, be able like to... You're s- calling your shot? <laughs> I would call it yet, but you, if the tree's got apples, shot? I'm... If a tree's got apples that I can get in there without bumping them, I it would be pretty pretty good. But we got to get a stand hung in there. That's the key. We can't be hanging <laughs> oh, and hunting in that close a vicinity. But uh, we I killed that deer, and what were we like eight yard eight feet from that scrape? Yeah, we were right on top of that scrape when I killed that deer, <laughs> and he was jay hooking into it. But uh, we got some work to do. We're gonna we're gonna spice that spot up. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, you make can sure make the spicy. Make sure the does. Oh, yeah. What? Well, how many does did you bump out of there? Six or oh, seven? Yeah, right I'd say probably yeah. eight. There's and... six, seven, eight does still bedded in there right now, and uh, we're gonna that little thirty thirty foot spot. We're gonna spice that up. Throw a little food in there, little food plot. Oh, keep those scrapes there. That buck that I end up killing, we were at the base of the tree, and we could smell that deer bedded. The wind was blowing right at us, and we were like, "Oh man!" So we hung up, and we were hung up twenty minutes, and he came off of his bed right to us. So yeah, it was <laughs> it's a good stuff, man. Yeah, it, like, was, it was beautiful. No kidding, when you're when you're in so tight yeah. like that, and I I know I don't sound like it, but I because I, I got a hell of a cold. Um, but I got I got an unusual like the only God given talent that I, the Lord ever like lived and said like okay. I am blessing Michael Jordan with great basketball skills, and you, uh, you can have uh, a good nose. I can smell. No kidding. Like I can smell as it's weird. Like uh, as a veterinarian, sometimes animals come in, and a sign of their illness can be some of the odors that come off of the breath. And I can sometimes I can tell. It sounds like a carnival show bullshit, but sometimes I I, I can walk into an exam room and say, uh, this, "Your cat's a diabetic," and they're like, "Um." You haven't even laid a finger on it yet. I can like, smell. No, I know. I can smell the the ketones on its breath, right? And I've always been that way. Every now and again, I'll catch a, uh, a ruddy buck scent, right? And I'm in there on with the, It's not. It's got to be just the right condition. It can't be too windy, or like that he's just passed through there, and I'm walking through and I cut his trail. Like, oh yeah. Now you know you're close when you can smell yeah. that old rascal. Yeah, I I tend to like get a get the that smell when it's a little moisture in the air, and yes. I'm usually like around a little cedar pocket, or I'm somewhere kind of by some cedars. For some reason, I don't know why, but just like yeah, around that. Um, so like with cedars, uh, the science behind that, um, like with cedars and pines, they're um, they have uh, the compounds that we smell. Is one of the reasons why that whitetails tend to rub on them. The chemistry that's in the sap, uh, these aromatic rings like carbon rings, it adheres to their uh, scent glands, and it those aromatic carbon rings that holds those pine and saps together, cedar sap stuff like that, makes that aromatic smell, and it mixes with deer. So that's why they love it so much. And there's some science, there's some decent science behind that. So the reason why you can smell it so strong there, it's the, it's the combo of the two. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. Huh. I didn't yeah. know that. Yeah. One thing that threw yeah. me off that I never I I want to see if you experience this or not. When I went to pull that cam on public, the one that you had on the back ridge, I was walking and I got a wolf of something, and I was like, 
man, that smells bucky. Like, I was like, okay. So, I, you know how that they could bed down there. Mm-hmm. I was like, maybe there's something bedded down there. I'll get lucky and scoop some early sheds or, you know, be able to bump something and go in there and have homie get on it. I went down there, and there was a bunch of rotten hedge balls. And those hedge balls were blowing up that hillside, mm-hmm. and it smelled, oh, yeah. it smelled like a rotten buck 100%. And I've yeah, never, dude, you've got the gift. Yeah. I've never, I've never had that happen to me, but I was like, I'm smelling these. And I like grabbed a hedge ball and like rub and I was like, yeah, that's what I'm smelling. It's these hedge balls. So I'm like, I wonder how many times I've walked past the rotten hedge ball. I'm like, oh, there's a buck in here. It's a giant. Oh, got another one. Yeah. 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 So I got oh, yeah. I was, I was hunting a big, um, I was at this big six pointer in October and this damn thing, he's kind of thorn. Like I can't because he's one of these wide open spaces deer where he really likes the prairie and i was hunting him on this little four acre like flat square island of timber in the middle of nowhere i shouldn't even try it well i set up on him one night and i had him out there 30 yards i almost killed him but this got too dark on me he was coming to a winter wheat field right and i made that aggressive push in on him had that encounter with him the next night i came in didn't see him but as i was walking out I caught a whiff of him right there on the other corner, downwind of me. <laughs> Guess how many times I had an encounter after that? Yeah. Zero. Man. I blew it. And yeah. it's no kidding. Man. It sounds like bullshit and we're using our nose to help us here, but you know, let's think about the history of hunting real quick. You know, back in that caveman days, right? Well, of course we had to use our sense. Yeah. Know? Like, you know, we've evolved to have things and so do they with whitetail so like it's if you can it's just about using all of your senses i think so many people go to the woods every year and don't realize that your nose can be an asset to you at times like yeah. if you're not going to use it every day um but how many times have you guys found a dead hitless butt because you caught the wind of it first yeah. like from ehd or something like that right yeah well, it's good to know mm-hmm. if he's laying there dead you yeah. might as well go investigate Mm-hmm. So using using your nose doesn't happen all the time, but it's once you break out from time to time if you've done it long enough. Yeah, I think I think the reason it was more keen on us this year is because we didn't have any hung stands, so we had like an idea of where we're going, but there was never yeah. like we're a hundred percent going there. So we were just going slower and like looking yeah. at everything. Yeah. I feel like if you have a hung stand, you're so dead set on I'm going to get in that stand as fast as I can not leave any ground scent, get up there and be ready to hunt. When you got to stand on your back, you're just kind of like walking in, looking at sign, pulling this cam, where we could hang in this tree, we'll talk about it, should we go deeper? And you're just slower. And I feel like you pick up on a lot more stuff when you're when you're going in like that than if you got a, a you're destination. You're in that hunt mindset. Yeah, like you're in that uh stealth from work go mindset yeah so you're automatically in predator mode like you're right i i still do about i would say i'm like 70 uh, percent mobile and 30 percent hang on like leave in now that's a good that's yeah, a good ratio that. we need to get more to that ratio <laughs> it's always well, so nice you know, to go to a, a preset stand it, man it is yeah. but you make up a good point Kelly. like if you're in the mindset and going slow, when you're hanging and banging on the run, you're also doing some low impact scouting on the way in now. Yeah. If you're paying enough attention and going slow, that's part of the deal. 
like when you're hanging and hunting, dude, leave early. Yeah. <laughs> you already, you always got that, man, I got to hang. So I got to hurry. I got to have this I gotta time. Hurry. Yeah. But no, I feel like when I have, like when we go into Boonertown and we're going to the scrape tree, I feel like we're just marching in there. Yeah. You know, we're just yeah. like, okay, we're going to get in there. Everything's going to be set up and we're just hauling ass. But like, right. we're going in when I killed my first buck this year and we're walking down that ridge. We're like, hmm. you know, pull this cam. Maybe we'll set up here. Okay. We're not going to sit up here. We're going to go a little deeper. We're going to walk over here, check this out. And then you have a destination in mind of where you want to go, but shit could change at any moment because you've got stuff on your back to make it happen so yeah it's it's you freelancing yeah. you know like it's it's not necessarily having enough like you don't always have to have like well no right where he's bedded let's go crowd him to this tree like it's good to freelance because when you when you uh when you take all the rigidity out of like gotta be here gotta be here gotta be there you take all that uh self-imposed pressure on those spots off of you and it's kind of, I think it's fun yeah. freelancing. Like yeah. you learn, you, you learn uh, how the terrain flows deer and how, how you can hide with the terrain as you're going in. Like that freelancing is way, it, it's awesome. I'm, it, I'm so engaged in it too mentally. You know what I mean? Like when you're freelancing, you're, you're being careful and speed scouting at the same time, trying to put the piece piece of the puzzle together at, in real time versus having this grand scheme like we always have, right? Mm -hmm. That's the way to do it. Yeah. So you killed two target bucks this year. Uh, give us, like, if you can, your top three reasons that you think that you were successful on both of those deer. Because they were kind. you're kind of hunting both of them different. They were different personality kind of wise deer. But can you give a top three reasons why you think that you were able to connect twice on target bucks in the same year? And it was close as uh, hell too. What was it like a week and a half apart? So set, let's talk about the second buck real quick. So if I'm being straight honest, it was the, uh, I knew of his existence. He was on the same farm as Wildside, and I got to know him, but he fell off the radar last year deep during the run. Like, didn't have a clue what he did during the breeding season. And I'm, I, I put, I did a hang and hunt in this random, like, bull crap island out in the middle of nowhere. This piece of shit timber. There's, there's no timber hardly in it. It's Pretty much junk. what we hunting. I was going to say, I'd love <laughs> but, hearing him say that. <laughs> the last couple of years, when gun pressure gets on, I've seen mature deer and non-mature like i've seen a lot of deer when gun pressure gets on they're like hey let's go to this giant island where no one ever hunts i'm like eh, maybe i'll check that out in the winter and i boosted a monster out of there in the winter i'm like okay this there's some more something to this little junker spot and what meets the eye so i did a hanging hunt in there saw a lot of does trickling through it and i was set up there i was at the tree ready to climb by like uh quarter five like super early opening day of gun right and i watched half a dozen trucks pull into places all over the place and i was sitting there ready to roll i'm facing this wide open creek basin to my strong side and camera side and right there as everybody starts busting off rounds at daybreak i hear a stick crack coming in tight behind me like to the weak side of the camera i turn and look and there's a doe and he she's sucking in a buck we call unibrow like 
to the tight bow range. I got to grab the gun, spin it around. I'm left-handed and I have to switch the gun to my right hand. And I'm just hoping and praying the damn camera catches all this. And I have miraculously got him in frame, but my idiot ass, I was, I had my scope zoomed into seven power because I was zero in a couple days before. And I, I left it on seven because I can shoot this wide open. I get him in the right hand position, line up the shot, hoping that it's on video. And I got to like go, oh my God, I'm on seven power. There's his nose. There's his rack. There's his shoulder. I think that's his shoulder. His shoulder. Definitely his shoulder. He's into it. Squeeze. Like I almost blew that. This simple rookie mistake, right? But I was there for a reason in that spot. Like I, I knew he was around and, and luck the dough brought him in, but the historical shit that got me there is just long-term observation. But when I squeezed it, I heard him fall and I was like, I can't believe this happened. Let's look at the video camera. And I got it on frame and everything. <laughs> <laughs> it was so awesome. It was so, so much bullcrap luck. I could have totally screwed it up. But if I've got to give you like, you were asking top three reasons why, uh, you get it done on two different bucks, two different styles. Um, dude, it goes back to just, it's work, dude. You know, it is like, I don't have a bunch of managed ground and food plots and like that. There's sometimes I don't even, I can't decide whether the place I am hunting is semi-public private ground or semi-private public <laughs> ground. Seriously. Yeah. Um, everybody else has got cracks at them too. Um, but it's, it's the work you put in and off season, hands down. Like I'm already starting now for next year. Like, yeah, I know you're out there filming giants and stuff. I'm like, God, this guy had another tag. He'd be out there slaying. I'd be trying. Yeah. (laughs) And and I've got a boy that's home from college and he might be on one. Nice. Um, He went this evening and, and, and we've got some winter intel starting in on one that, um, matter of fact, it was a buck we were just talking about that I, I lost track of that before I switched to Wildside. Um, he's still alive. He's a Mongo. Um, but working on him, I, de- but again, definitely top three reasons. It's um, scouting your ass off in the off season, whether it's winter or summer. It's just prioritizing whitetails. Like a lot of people don't prioritize whitetails in the winter or in the summer. And, and I, I, I do. I do it for fun. I enjoy it. And it's my outlet, but it's, I take it very seriously in the off season. That way you got all your ducks in a row when it's time, when it's time to slam, you know? Mm-hmm. And the, the other, like maybe number two, just getting to know the bucks personally, like as weird as that sounds like just trying to understand what makes that individual one guy work. And it's, it takes a lot of studying, but they have, I think you guys would probably agree. Most individual mature bucks that live to the age of like five and six, they all are different in their personality traits. You know, like some are very daylight active. Some are really camera shy. Some are will buddy up and follow another younger buck around as like a sentinel. Uh, some will hang back and wait till last light to step into that field. Like there's a lot of these little nuances that you can get over that scouting 
it doesn't have to be just a simple still trail camera photo. You know what I mean? It's, uh, I call it profiling, like, like these serial killer shows. And yeah, shit, you're a right? profile like, killer. <laughs> I like it. I well, like it. Yeah. Well, I mean, you, if you just try to build enough, you'll never know everything about him ever. Like to think so is foolish. Mm-hmm. But the more you know about him, the more you got a little check mark in the positive when you go after him. I think, and then maybe thirdly, uh, this season's success is just trying to get over the mental like. I'm getting my ass kicked and I've worked so hard and I don't know why. Like keeping a positive mill attitude, definitely. Number three, definitely there for sure. Because I got down the mouth about it. Like I'm approaching the 7th of November and I've had some really crappy hunts. Like I'm, I'm connecting on young deer and some does, but, and I had an encounter with that old buck. I totally blew it on him. Um, it's just trying to get out of your own head and be objective. Yeah, that's very important. That's something that we are trying to do. Like, there's a lot of days in the season. So if you have like five bad hunts and you're like, shit, I'm a terrible hunter. I don't know what's going on. All it takes is 35 seconds. And you're like, damn, I'm, I'm kind of getting good at this. <laughs> <laughs> you forget about the other, you know, 15 hours in stand that just kicked your that's ass. Right. And uh, that's something. But I don't know how many times we say that. Like, oh, yeah, a lot. you know, thir- thir- three minutes can change your whole entire season. Like. And that just goes to show homies going out, not a really good day. It was raining when that 10 pointer came out, right? Yeah. It was raining. I couldn't go for what I had, what I have going on. Uh, I I don't don't know. It was a, it was a Wednesday night. So I had something going on basketball, maybe, maybe, I I don't know. know. I had something going on. He still goes and then damn near kills biggest bow buck today. You know, drew just drew on him and couldn't make it happen, you know? And, um, really just, going to go because you can't kill him on the couch that's that old saying is mm. the only reason he was out there you know there wasn't something that right. was like i gotta be in there it was just i'm gonna go hunting and i think this is a pretty solid spot and like i said that was pretty yeah. much our whole entire strategy this year it was like pretty solid right here we should probably go in there and we we took some uh running running cams and just kind of cherry picking Okay, I can get in this spot really easy, and it's good. That's that's was our go to this year. Like, we're not gonna go like to the crazy hardest spot to kill one certain buck. There's a solid buck here. We're gonna go there and kill. There's a solid buck here. We're gonna go there and kill. And that's kind of how we went about it. But it'd be hard to beat um, this season, man. It was yeah. It was a lot of fun. Yeah, dude, you guys slammed them, and you bring up a good point. Like maybe if I had to put a number four on that list. It's time management. Like, you can burn up so much of your off-season time uh, making preparations for things that'll never manifest. You know what I mean? Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's like, that cutesy shit be- that I'm talking about. You're like, I'm going to hang a cam here because we've seen him one time, and it's way yep. deep as hell, and you, the intel you probably get off of it, it ain't really worth it, but you're like, I'm putting it here anyways because th- he was here it's- you know, he was here, so I, I need it. But in that time, you could have scouted a new area, maybe figured out something else, and and been in it's the game even time, more. Time management is so critical. I One of the things that it's hard for me to do personally, <clears throat> like, I look forward to this vacation timeline every year. I always, that's my thing. i got to have it, right? And, like, I 
feel like this self-imposed pressure, like, all right, vacation's here, it's time to deer hunt for a living for a month. Like, I don't, I don't mean that in a monetary sense, but I want to live this for a month. You know darn good well, over the last couple of seasons, you'll get a weather day that's just terrible. It'll either be too hot or super windy or drizzled rain and overcast skies. It's just not one of those beer days. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, and we all know that you can kill them at any day, any time. Like, you can't kill them on the couch. You're right. But when the weather is awful and it's in one of those limboy times a year, like the 25th of October or like between Halloween and the 7th, like you're in that swingy transitional phase. If you get a really hot day or something bullshit like that, like go do some work, hang a set that needs to be hung, check some cameras, like take a day out of the hunt and go don't hunt, scout or work, like work days. You know what I mean? Mm. Yeah. That's, I think that's key. Homie's done that. Yeah. Yeah. I would say the late season moves over here have been, um, really good as far yeah. as trying to stay ahead and and get on a on a late season buck here and um that giant that i showed you that we had for late season he got killed by a random dude that was going in there <laughs> to kill a doe i'm like fish hooked by a sprat i'm like ah, <laughs> he's he's like, ah, he's like i'll just go 150 yards from the parking lot and hang hang up kill a doe drop to 180 <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, damn it! That thing was so... Well, like, when, when I was younger, like, starting out on this, like, buck chasing thing, when you'd hear somebody thump one that you was after and you so mad, like, oh, it just burned you alive, you know? Like... Yeah. It was not a healthy way to live. Yeah. Okay? We're at the point now where we're like, shit, find another one, man. Yeah, yeah. It's, that's all you can yeah. do. So that's where I'm going with that. Like, you can't put all your eggs in one basket and you need to marry up to the idea that if you're watching one, there's probably somebody else oh, yeah. out there trying the same thing to him and laying yeah. him low. So you can't take it personal when somebody whoops you um, because again, they probably got him by fair chase means and they're doing their thing too. Mm-hmm. But it's, it's nice not to have that like, uh, self-imposed pressure that like you're having to beat out somebody it's not about beating out anyone else it's trying your best at one that might get killed by somebody else yeah and being okay with that yeah like people get sideways nowadays oh yeah we've seen some people do some crazy shit even people hunting close to them you're like what this guy is wasting hella time that he could be scouting or running cams and shit and he's out there trying to ruin someone else's hunt by doing yeah. radical shit just blows my mind. But you know, you were just saying that people think that they're the only one that knows this deer's alive and blah, blah, blah. <laughs> Everybody knows those deer out there. <laughs> yeah. I don't, I don't yeah. there's too many cams in the woods, too many people hunting. We got this giant typical that we've been hunting a couple years. Dude's one of those deer that does not, he'll travel three miles. Don't even care. Just rolling around. You know, we got him all over the place we've got them all over the place and there's like no pattern and you would think nobody's got this deer he's just weird slipping through we're getting him like once every 20 days i get a text message a couple days ago dude's got him in daylight i'm like oh okay i thought this guy was a ghost 
He's in the worst <laughs> shit you could ever imagine. You're like, deer's safe as hell. And <laughs> nope, he's on cam in daylight. This guy's like, yeah, this deer's really got my interest. I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. No yeah. shit. He's like, you got you any history? <laughs> you got any history with him? And it's funny. They always message me. They're like, this dude's got this. He's got this joker on cam. I'm like, yeah, I got a couple years with him. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, I bet you he's right back to his summer range, but it might not be got bad going in there now. You know, it probably yeah, won't be. It probably wouldn't be too bad, but probably should yeah. just go in there and see if there's anything in there. But mm-hmm. I think we'll throw some. I think we'll throw some more shit at him next year. Then we got this one buck called Westside. You talk about buck have their own like characteristics and kind of do oh, yeah. different shit. The this most guy. random ass deer you've e- I've ever seen, and there's no limit to where he'll be at what time. Oh, the does. There's a big doe group over here. You think one's hot? He's two miles away on a camp somewhere <laughs> out. Like it's just, it's like he'll summer one one year one place, then never come back. Then he'll go to another place in summer and we'll find him, and then he'll never come back. You're like, what? And then it'll just show up. Like, what is going on? How how uh. On that buck in particular, what'd you call him again? West Side? Yeah, West Side, yeah. How many years have you been working on him? Four, if yeah. not five. Yeah, four or five. <laughs> All right, so I'm starting to have a thumb rule. Uh, I worked on that buck, Goby Mitt, for a long time. Like three years, he ghosted me. He was a rando, same way. Yeah. I could never, I could never put him together, like... He would switch up his summer routes. He would switch up his, like, like you couldn't, you, I, I tried so hard to get some kind of thread going, profiling, random bullshit. Um, lost track of him. I spent like three or four years working on that deer. And it, it's like one of those, he wasn't the only egg in the basket, but he was one of the top few. And I'm working on one right now, dude, that I've got history with him as a, he was a three-year-old in 20, he was a three-year-old in 2017. He's old and he's huge and he's a big old typical, same way. Like if I haven't, it sounds, oh, I don't know. It, it might sound like a little bit of bullshit, but like if I hadn't, if I haven't put it together on him in a couple of seasons, and I give it my own. No kidding, I probably need to move on. Yeah, that's uh, probably least, a good, a definitely good thing to tell somebody. You know, or what I mean? at least like, like fall less in love with him. Yeah, Still keep yeah. him in the shuffle deck, but bring him down to the bottom, lower to the pile. You know, like if you ain't, if no kidding, if you've hounded one for two or three years and you know what you're doing, you're missing something. Like whether I, I totally. I'm totally missing something on this buck we're talking about. I can't believe he. I, I'm just looking at all my photos of him last night. I'm like, I cannot believe this thing. Like, yeah, we had him. We had him so regular. I had so much hope in the farm that we were working on him with this year. I haven't had a trail camera photo of him since September, but I did get one random on him in like July on another farm, like three miles away. <laughs> Like doing some kind of weird, like bullshit summer excursion. Yeah. I don't know why he was there. I don't have any intel on him there otherwise. Maybe I need to start looking into that spot. Yeah. Mm -hmm. This deer we're talking about, we thought he was dead. Then he showed up like 
20th October. I'm like, this, this <laughs> fucker won't die. <laughs> he's like eight or nine. Gotta be. I'm like, and he's, and, uh, he was smaller last year. He's a little bigger this year. Maybe yeah. like five inches bigger. Right. And I'm like, this dude won't die. And nobody can kill him. There's a bunch of hunters out there. Nobody can kill him. <laughs> Just Same. That's exactly the way this buck we're talking about is. Dude, there's so many people he gets pressured by around there. Like he could be killed by a grandmother, uh, a 12 year old kid, a couple three seasoned like trigger men. Uh, he still somehow manages to dodge it every year. Yeah, I don't know how. I, I don't know how. Kind of like what you're talking. He's got the habitat. Oh, it's thick in there. Yeah. Like do anything with. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I uh, but, I I went in the day after Thanksgiving to hunt a different buck. And uh, had a pretty good sit, like, going in for him, odds for uh, this other deer. And I said, watch, I'm going to get back there, and then I'm just going to happen to run into Westside on some random bullshit. But (laughs) just because, like, that's how it's going to have to happen. Like, that deer is like, if you kill, we've seen him one time in five years, and he pegged us in the tree in four seconds. Yeah, for a split second. He came around the corner and was like, Nope. I was like, and that's when he Never seen anybody in that tree before? I'm getting the hell out of here. And that's when he was real (laughs) solid. He was... He was probably like sixties. Yeah, sixties and like Oh yeah. Twenty four wide. <laughs> yeah. He was reading. So that same buck that I that I was telling you about the chip it out. Um I have seen him from the tree uh a grand total of twice in those like four years. He never he's never busted me out of it that I know of. Oh yeah, he this dude you know, nailed it. It's our so ass. thick in there. It, it's so thick in there, he could have been like skirting my wind a hundred times yeah you know it's one of those spots where it's post logging can be really thick hard to hunt anything with but i've only seen from the tree one time and it's been like 75 yards i could have got him with a shotgun mm-hmm. but uh, no chance with a bow and we, i've tried manipulating that sighting a hundred different ways and spinning it for a hundred different stand sites of wind pulls and stuff and i just mm. i just cannot i make like it that work. advice to just kind of walk away keep it in the bank you got mm-hmm. kind of like a shit day. You're like, ah, I'm going to go in and try to hunt this damn deer. It's been kicking my ass, you know, and not. And that's kind of what we you did with Westside this year. Yeah. Like, if he comes by, we're going to kill him. I don't care if he's 100 inches or, <laughs> you know, 150. I'm just going to be like, all right, he's off the list. Yeah, because, I mean, <laughs> it's out. usually just hang a camera in the summer spot, and he's going to be on there in three hours after you put it up. Yeah. And, um, like, I mean, I, I was pretty hard on for that deer coming into this season and then he never showed up there and, uh, I've kind of fallen out of love with him per se, but, uh, yeah, I mean, it, it just depends on what you you want, but you can waste an ass load of time. Yeah. Yeah, You can learn, you gotta learn when enough is enough. Like you can waste so much time on a deer that you you know darn good and well, like you've got enough data that supports you being there, right? Mm-hmm. And enough history, and but we're also banking on a whole hell of a lot of luck and hope. And, and on, when I feel like I'm hoping for a deer and not hunting one, it's time for me to shuffle him down to the lower part of the deck. Yeah, you know what yeah. I mean? I need, I need more from him. Mm-hmm. I need more from him. Now, I don't know why I haven't got it because I've been working on it for four freaking years. Like, he's literally a buck that I was tape measuring his tracks in the snow last winter. Like, I can see his track when it's in the snow and the mud. It's got a rounded point on one side, and his back foot always steps a little bit further than his front foot. So, it's, it's tracks settings. 
how they're set in the dirt or the mud and the snow is really weird. But I swear to you, like he's one of these loners that he cuts out across wide open snow territory when there's snow on, not very often anymore. But this sucker will walk out in the middle of prairie, wide open in the middle of the night. You know what he's doing at night. You can't be shit with a deer like him. No, yeah. <laughs> I remember you seeing a video of you out there with the tape measure yeah. in the snow. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever just it trying, takes, brother, yeah. Just trying your best just to put some extra dots on the map. And I've got so many like onyx pins specifically for that buck in that map that the math is worthless because it's so congested. Like, it's, it's seriously, it's overkill. Yeah. So I need to, like, I'm thinking about no kidding, just do a full clean wipe of all those data pins on that farm and starting from scratch. I don't want to, but I'm never going to It doesn't make sense because a deer like that that's so random and just going all over the place, you think would just get hammered during gun season or mm-hmm. something, you know. He's just in the wrong spot, you wrong can. time. But they're just like... If someone's strategically hunting them, ain't got a chance in hell. You just need to go out there and be like, shit, I'm going to throw a set up in this tree. No, never bring seen a deer nephew, here. Probably kill them. <laughs> bring your wife, bring your nephew. Yeah, bring yeah. yeah. never shot a gun before. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because uh, it's going to happen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> be like, oh, there's West Side. I've been trying to kill that deer for five years. <laughs> yeah, well, being, uh, first time in. Yeah, bird. Oh, yeah, 12 <laughs> yards? Oh, nice. Yeah, nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, brother. Well, we'll uh, we'll let you get off here. Um, appreciate you coming on and chit chatting with us, man. We don't want to take up too much of oh, your time, yeah. but no, we love we love chatting days. with you and congratulations on your year, man. One yeah. hell of a year, Jeez. and hopefully, uh, you know, you always want to beat it next year. And people say you're gonna have a hard time, but you're gonna have a hell of a hard time to to top what you did this year. But I know you got it in you. Uh, that's uh, probably not. <laughs> I'll probably. <laughs> So I, next year, I've got this, like, if I can shoot one target buck next year, I had this, like, you know how every year you always set, like, I want this goal for next year or something yeah. to improve on or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, if I can shoot one target buck next year, that'll be at least one target buck a season, if not two or three um, in the last 10, it'll be a 10-year streak. And that's yeah. really, I don't know why that number is so important to me, but it is. Um, but I'd... I have no joke thought about, like, somebody called me out on social media, like, oh, you use those trail cameras. Makes it easy. <laughs> I'm no kidding thinking about like, Yeah, you come run them with me for a little bit and find out. Yeah. Um, I have no kidding, like, if I, once I get through next season, I'm going to do one full season of zero trail cameras. Just go old school like we used to. Like, it'll be a Scouts Honor type deal. Nobody will be It'd be, be cool as hell, me. though, man, just to go it, in there. You know. You'd have no idea. You're just like, I'm going out here. It's been good in the past. I'm going to hang up and then make your moves off of what you see. Just try something different, you yeah. know. I, I love – we all love running cameras and such. But, um, you know, so when somebody, somebody calls you out, like, oh, it makes it so much easier. Uh, go okay, buy a well, couple, bro. <laughs> well, I'll, just, I'll tell you what. I'll just put them in a tote and um, – Challenge accepted. Let's go. Yeah, yeah, let's like, go. <laughs> try it. Right on, man. I don't know. Yeah, you know, you know what our thoughts on you. We, you're humble as hell, but we think we, you're up on the list of guys that get it done. And you know, the one common thing <laughs> that people that get it done is they work their ass off. And we know that you're out there just absolutely, you know, killing yourself to to kill these deer. You know, you're an assassin, bro. You're out there working. <laughs> mm-hmm. 
The oh, big buck assassin, I'm, man. I'm getting I'm getting too old to be an assassin. The veterinarian <laughs> assassin. <laughs> I guess so, man. But that's what it takes. You yeah, know how it is. Yeah. Like you gotta start somewhere and nobody nobody knows it all to start with. We're all still dude, I'm still learning, mm-hmm. you know, like every freaking day. And yeah. you it'll be something like whitetail hunting for me it's going to be something that we never master mm. none of us and none of us ever going to be as good as our ancient ancestors that hunted barefoot and loincloths with a stick and a string right like, my ancestors probably slaying giants out there <laughs> mine was probably like plowing fields behind mules and shit like i didn't come from hunter style. yeah uh you, you know i mine were the mine were the definitely the gatherers yeah yeah my ancestors were your grandfather <laughs> but, great you great know. grandfather was a stick gatherer i got the sticks yeah. man <laughs> i got the firewood you get the meat i got you that's right uh, but man, I appreciate you guys having me on, giving me kind words. You guys are always good to me. Yeah, man, yeah, we yeah. we uh we love having you on, chit chatting with you, and appreciate your time. Yeah, no sweat, guys. Take care. All right, guys. Well, that was the story from Clint on an absolute unbelievable season. Um, we love this dude, solid as hell. Um, definitely leave him a follower. Guy's a good writer. He has a right, you know, a lot of sh- shit in magazines and stuff. But just his Facebook and Instagram posts are. I'm terrible at writing, so when I get into something, I'm like, "Damn, I wish, wish I could do half this good." <laughs> yeah, this shit is solid. But one thing I like about Clint is he'll put up like a quick thirty to ninety second video, and you know it's March or mm-hmm. it's July, and it's he's telling you what he's looking for, what he's out there doing, what he's trying to accomplish, and um, then you know podcasts like tonight, he gets to tell you that doing that shit worked and this is why so. yeah he's a 365 whitetail guy really good follow so follow him on all the Insta, instagram facebook um and then also he ha- he does release his videos um mm-hmm. i'm excited to watch those always really really cool to watch after the kill he gets pretty fired up and uh just an all-around good guy but um, we hope you enjoyed listening to someone else besides us just chit chat about <laughs> whitetail and uh like always we love you guys um Appreciate you listening, tuning in. Um, Always try to do the right thing and try to leave a legacy, and White to Legacy is out.